Hello, and welcome back to Historical True Crime. I'm your host, Lizzie, and this is the podcast where we take a look back at some of history's most notorious crimes and criminals. This is episode 11, and we're heading over to France, and it's a crime that takes place a little later uh, than the ones we've previously covered. So we're in France in the early 1900s, and I guess this is our Christmas episode since it's going up on December 23rd. Uh, And I do have to warn everyone, it's a particularly gruesome crime. So um, we'll keep the details fairly light, uh, but we will go into some. uh, So fair warning for those who are a little squeamish. So without further ado, let's get into the crime of the Pepin sisters. Christine and Léa Pepin were responsible for one of the most heinous murders in French history on February 2nd of 1933. They disfigured their victims by tearing out their eyes and mutilating their genitals. Their victims, well, they were Léonie and Genevieve Lancelot, the mother and daughter of the wealthy family who employed them. But what drove them? Madness? Bloodlust? Or class warfare? Ooh, what an intro. (laughs) But before we get into the crime itself, I want to always, or as always, start with their early lives because it will definitely inform their behavior later on in life. So Christine and Leah, or Leah, sorry, I'm not actually sure. There'll be a lot of mispronunciation throughout this episode, especially as I put on my terrible French accent. So I want to apologize, let's just say in general, for uh, any of that. But Christine and Leah were born to parents uh, Clemens and Gustave, and Clemens gives birth to Amelia, her first daughter, in 1902. And because it's the early 1900s, Clemens is compelled by the social norms of the time to wed Gustave after falling pregnant. So the couple is married uh, with one child, and Christine is then born uh, a few years later in 1905, but by then her mother is severely depressed and her father has become a full-fledged alcoholic, um, and they're unable to care for her appropriately. So soon after Christine's birth, they actually send her and her older sister Amelia to live with their aunt. And during this time period, uh, Clemence is rumored to be having an affair with her boss and was seemingly more interested in him than in her own family. But it seems that Gustave, in his own way, really did love her. Um, But he couldn't tolerate the affair. So Clemence actually attempts suicide because Gustave wants to relocate her from Le Mans to a neighboring city. Uh, but she's very unstable, and the ma- the marriage deteriorates even further as a result of all of this. So Gustave is drinking more and more, and Clemence is simply growing more and more distant from her family. In this tumultuous period, uh, Leia is born in 1911, and this is the last child that Clemence and Gustave will have together. Shortly after giving birth to Leia, Clemence will learn that her husband had previously sexually assaulted their oldest daughter, Amelia. Amelia was only 10 years old. So Clemence will leave Gustave, but it's not for the reason you think. She doesn't do it for her daughter's sake. She divorces him as a form of retaliation for Gustave's infidelity. Well, he wasn't committing an affair, he was committing rape. 
Um, but even worse, Clemence will blame Amelia for this rape, and she's going to place her in the Le Bon Pasteur convent's orphanage. And Clemence also sends uh, Leia to live with her great uncle after the failed marriage. Christine will join Amelia at the orphanage while she's there, but prior to going to the orphanage, she was raised by her aunt. The three sisters experienced horrific abuse from the time they were quite young. Uh, Christine and Leia witnessed verbal and physical altercations between their parents, and they also had to defend themselves against molestation. It's unclear from the records how long the girls lived at home versus in orphanages or with other family members. But what is clear is that the times they were home, they experienced unfathomable trauma. There are no clear-cut details or timelines, but according to some sources, Christine and Leia both spent time in mental hospitals following their parents' divorce. Amelia eventually grows up and becomes a nun. And Christine wants to follow in her footsteps, but for whatever reason, her mother simply prohibits this. So Christine and Leah are set to become domestic servants in order to support their mother. And Clemence will take Christine out of the orphanage and help her find employment in Le Mans as a maid. Christine was able to apply the domestic skills she learned in the convent to her new job. Leia remains with her uncle until his death and then spends some additional time in an orphanage. But as soon as she's old enough to work, uh, Clemence will also take her out uh, and help her find a job. The girls were expected to deliver their earnings to their mother. And when she didn't think they were getting enough money, she would make them quit and find them a new position. But when possible, the girls did prefer to work together. In 1926, uh, it looks like the girls have found a really great job. Christine starts first and then convinces the family to also hire Leia. And this family is Rene Lancelot and his wife Leonie with their adult daughter, Genevieve. Uh, so they employ Christine and Leia as a cook and a housekeeper. In the city of Le Mans, the Lancelons resided in a stunning two-story townhouse. Uh, and according to witnesses, the family treats them pretty decently. They received what would have been the regular salaries of the time. They would share the same meals as the family. And they lived in a warm, heated room. And the siblings' professional conduct before the crimes was reportedly great. In fact, having such devoted and diligent uh, housekeepers and cooks made the Lancelons the envy of every upper household in France. According to an article on Ranker.com, Leia and Christine kept to themselves but were constantly together. Even when they were given breaks, they decided to remain in their bedroom, kept to themselves, and barely spoke. On Sundays, they would go and attend church together, but they didn't do anything else for fun. When they did venture outside, it was likely to run errands. But there's a story from some sources that in order to protect the girls, Mrs. Lancelot actually stops them from sending their mother their pay. She even informs Clemence that she would no longer be receiving any payment from the girls. And the girls worked for the Lancelons without any major incidents for around seven years. But perhaps everything was not as it seemed behind closed doors. 
For starters, in the seven years that the girls had worked there, neither of the women had ever spoken to Rene LaSalon. As in, he had never said a single word to either of them. It was his wife that gave the orders to the sisters, and even then, she would only do so in writing. And as evidence of her high standards for perfection, uh, she would frequently conduct white glove tests on furniture to ensure that it had been dusted. Some say that the girls were forced to work under appalling conditions for around 14 hours every day, with only one half day off per week. Additionally, it's been said that Mrs. Lancelot would frequently lose her temper, but would also nudge and pinch the girls when they disobeyed her instructions. According to an article on history101.com, Renee said, and quote, this quarrel with the mother certainly soured the character of the girls who became sour and taciturn. Since that time, neither my wife nor I have exchanged conversations with them outside of service. They were polite. We felt that the observations would be poorly received. And as our house service was very well done, did not give rise to any criticism, we were patient. End quote. So it's hard to say what was actually going on behind closed doors. Was it a pleasant working environment? Was it an abusive working environment? We just won't know. And I am in no way justifying what's about to happen, but I do think it's important to um, have an idea of the sense of the working environment the girls likely experienced and to remember the trauma that they would have also experienced as children. It just informs potentially their state of mind, um, but we'll explore that also in more detail a little later. So everything is going to come to a head on the evening of February 2nd, 1933. It's pitch black and it's pouring rain. The mother and daughter, uh, so the the Lancelons, were to go straight from their shopping expedition to Leonie's brother's house where Renee was going to meet them. So the sisters don't anticipate that the family is going to arrive home until late in the evening or potentially the next morning. The papas were running errands, um, one of which was to pick up an iron from the repair shop. And when they get home and plug the iron in, they blow a fuse. But given that the Lancelons are not expected home until late in the evening, they make the decision to postpone trying to fix the fuse until the morning. What they don't know is that Leonie and Genevieve are going to unexpectedly arrive home. And Christine claims that when Leonie comes in, she erupts into a violent rage after learning that the iron was still broken and the electricity had gone out. According to an article on allthatsinteresting.com, the mother was then struck in the head with a pewter jug by Christine, which prompted Genevieve to defend her mother and strike out. Christine allegedly said in a rage, quote, I'm going to massacre them. Leia comes down from the attic and witnesses the attack. And Christine shouts, smash her, referring to Leonie's head into the ground and tear her eyes out. So Christine begins to rip Genevieve, the daughter's eyes, literally out of her face. And Leia complies with her request to attack uh, Leonie. 
So the mother and daughter are powerless without their eyes. The sisters attack their victims with a hammer, a dagger, and a pewter kettle until the mother and daughter are literally unrecognizable. The Pepin sisters lock all of the doors in the home, go up to their room, light a candle, remove their bloody clothing, and prepare themselves for the inevitable. Rene heads back to his home uh, with a friend after his wife and daughter had missed dinner. And he comes home and finds all of the doors are locked and the house is completely dark. Now he doesn't have a key, so he needs to call the police who come and they all enter the residence. They obviously discover an incredibly brutal and gruesome scene. Renee's entire family has been murdered, and originally it's feared that the Papin sisters were also victims. But they find the Papin sisters in their room, um, and they're naked in bed holding each other. They'll instantly admit to the double homicide. And again, according to the article on allthatsinteresting.com, Christine simply says, it was us or her, in support of their allegation that it was self-defense. Leia declares to the authorities, I am now dumb and deaf. Christine also said, quote, seeing that Mrs. Lancelot was going to throw herself on me, I jumped on her face and I tore her eyes off with my fingers. During this time, my sister Leia jumped on Mrs. Lancelot and also tore off her eyes. When we did that, they laid down or squatted on the spot. Then I rushed down to the kitchen and went to get a hammer and a knife. It's worth mentioning that at the time of the murders, the Pepin sisters were only 21 and 27 years old. So the girls are arrested and details of the crime start coming out to the public. And the public was enraged in a way that rarely occurs. The sisters were dubbed the Monsters of Le Mans, the Lambs Who Became Wolves, and the Raging Sheep by the local newspapers. Intellectuals of that time, including Jean-Paul Sartre, Simone de Beauvoir, and Jean Genet, used the crime as an illustration of class conflict. They claimed that the bad living conditions of those who served the wealthy were a reflection of the girls' rebellion against their cruel masters. The defense took a different approach, and their argument was that the sisters were temporarily insane during the murders. As proof of their hereditary propensity towards insanity, they listed a cousin who had passed away in an asylum, uh, a grandpa who was prone to violent attacks, and an uncle who had died by suicide. Later, psychologists will contend that the Papa sisters had uh, folle à deux, a disorder characterized by having a shared psychosis. So hearing voices, feeling persecuted, having the potential to incite violence in believed self-defense against imagined threats, and inappropriate sexual emotions were among the symptoms of the shared paranoid psychosis. Christine Papa may have also experienced um, paranoid schizophrenia. However, at the time in the 1930s, there wouldn't have been any effective treatment for the illness. Uh, Leia, however, isn't rumored to have displayed any symptoms of mental illness. She seems to have been quite reserved, fearful, and vulnerable to panic attacks when under pressure. 
Doctors testified during the trial that Leia's personality looked to have entirely dissolved into Christine's personality. Leia's bosses never had a bad word to say about her, but Christine had a, quote, difficult disposition and had previously been fired for being arrogant. In fact, one employer had advised Leia's mother to give the girls different employment since Christine was a detrimental influence on Leia. The sisters were assessed by a number of medical professionals to ascertain the nature of their relationship and also their mental health. At the trial, these medical professionals testified that although Christine was definitely the more assertive sister and that Leia did look up to her, both girls were sane and should be held equally responsible for the crimes. So the trial had started in September of 1933, and it lasted a total of 13 hours. Both girls are found guilty by the jury in only 40 minutes, but they did receive different sentences. On September 30th, 1933, Christine Papin is given the death penalty by guillotine in the public square of Le Mans. Leia receives a lesser sentence of 10 years of hard labor since she was regarded more as an accomplice. As she awaits her death sentence, uh, Christine attempts to rip out her own eyes. So she is put in a straitjacket, and her sentence is eventually changed to life in prison. But shortly after, she starts to starve herself, and as a result, she dies in 1937. In 1941, uh, Leia is released after serving eight years for good behavior. She'll move in with her mother and begin to live a fairly quiet life under an assumed name. Although it is believed that Leia passed away in 1982, a French film producer, uh, Claude Ventura, asserts that he met her while filming his 2000 documentary, In Search of the Papa Sisters. The woman he identifies as Leia had a stroke that left her speechless and partially crippled, and that woman passes away in 2001. So there's definitely a question surrounding who the real Leia was and when she passed away. So long after the crimes, the Papin sisters continued to live on in uh, various forms of media. So we have L'Affaire Papin, written by French author Paulette Houdier in 1966. And this was a fictionalized novel-like account of the Papin sisters' lives. Leia was reportedly questioned by Francois journalist as a result of this book. And she says that she had intense dreams in which Christine appeared to her in spirit form. So she was positive that her sister was in paradise. She still possessed old pictures of Christine and a trunk full of outfits that the girls had fashioned for themselves before the murders. She said that she was going to go back to Le Mans and reunite with Amelia, her older sister, who had become a nun again at the age of 16. But there isn't any evidence that she actually did this. So this newspaper article is the last account of the lives of the Papin sisters, but we did get several movies on the subject, uh, besides the documentary I already mentioned, In Search of the Papin Sisters. There's also books, plays, musicals, television programs, comic books, paintings, and even an opera inspired by the crime. Les Mans, 
The Maids is a 1947 drama by Jean Genet that is still performed today, and it's perhaps the most well-known example. So now that you have all the details, the question still remains. Was the murder a psychotic episode committed by two untreated victims of mental illness? Was it a cold-blooded act of class warfare in retaliation for how the bourgeoisie treated the lower classes? Or was it simply murder? We'll let you decide. And that is the end of episode 11 of Historical True Crime, The Pepin Sisters. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, As always, we really appreciate the support. If you have any feedback or a case suggestion you'd like us to cover, you can reach us by email at historicaltruecrimepod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at historicaltruecrimepod. We'll see you next week for another dark case from history. We'll see you then.